everybody and welcome. This is the Mazao Talks podcast, which is a platform for both knowledge sharing and peer-to-peer exchange between small and medium-scale farmers across Kenya. We feature contributions by farmers, budding farmers, agri-food experts, as we drive discussions on good agricultural practices, as well as business opportunities that are readily available for the youth. This podcast is made possible by the European Union Funded Market Access Upgrade Program, MACUP, which is implemented by United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, and is produced right here at Semabox. Yeah, so as we start, please remember to like, share, and subscribe on all our platforms. Our handle is at MACUP Kenya on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. For more information about any of the topics we discuss, please find us at markupkenya.org. My good name is Jason. I am Sheila. And no matter who you are, you, you can farm. This week, we are nuts about nuts, and it's macadamia nuts to be precise. In this episode, we do a deep dive into macadamia growing in Kenya and why you should be nuts about them too. You wouldn't believe it, but Kenya is actually one of the highest exporters of shelled macadamia nuts in the world, only behind South Africa and Australia. Yet at 11% market share, this is one market that still hasn't been cracked. Markup did a survey of 76 macadamia nut farmers in Embu and Bungoma, and one of the findings was that these farmers are harvesting only 16 kilos a tree when there's a potential of over 50 kgs per tree. And in this study, they noted some of the issues that the farmers are going through, which include limited access to quality seedling, low uptake of good agricultural practices, and limited land under the crop. So uh, today in studio, we have a very, very special guest, very exciting, full of life. And I'll just give her this opportunity to introduce herself and what she does. Okay, I'm Lusike Wasilwa. I'm the director of crop systems. I'm based at Kenya Agricultural and Livestock Research Organization headquarters. But as a scientist, I'm a breeder, a plant breeder. I bred the macadamia nut varieties of Kenya. And then I'm also a plant pathologist. Oh, wow. Welcome. And I have a very big interest in underutilized fruits. Welcome and yeah. thank you for it's great to have you. So today we're going to talk about um, something that, you know, Sheila has struggled with pronunciation <laughs> of for a long time. So today we, we will settle it. Is it macadamia, macadamia, macadamia? <laughs> I'm telling you, macadamia has many names. Even at macadamia. times you have macrofia. <laughs> So it just depends on where you're going to because Kenya has Kenyanized the name and made it indigenous. Yeah. yeah. So of course now it just depends. You know, you you have speak speck or speke, same white man. Yeah. So macadamia, <laughs> as long as you it, it sounds like macadamia, whichever one you choose is fine. It's okay. Because if you're American, it'll be macadamia, then others say macadamia. Uh-huh. You know, so, it just, so it just it just depends on. So me when I feel like I'm being a muzungu, I'll say macadamia nuts. <laughs> so. so it really depends on if you went to yeah. primary, yeah. primary. But when you go to Centro Macorofia, district <laughs> educational board schools like yeah. my friend Sheila yeah. or academies. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we found out that the average farm gate uh, prices for macadamia nuts is ninety shillings per kilo. 
mm-hmm. but the same weight sells for 1477 per kilo in the international market. How can farmers get more for their nuts? Um, for Kenya, it's been a long journey. Mm. Um, right now it's 90, but before COVID, the farmers were getting 200 shillings a kilo. What? Oh, yeah, it was 200 shillings a kilo. That's why farmers were now losing their trees. But if you go back to 1989, going through the 90s, the price went from 18 to 23 shillings. And as close as in 2005, 2006, where farmers were getting 23 to 35 shillings a kilo. I know this because my mom grows macadamia. It has been low for so long until... We have the Nut Processors Association of Kenya, or NATPAC, that came in and now began to negotiate with farmers. So they'd have meetings in different parts of Kenya where farmers grow macadamia and they'll set the price. So the price slowly went up. It went up to 50. Nobody could believe it. Then it jumped to 80. People went crazy. Now macadamia was in high demand. When it clocked at 120, the, even the price of the seedlings went up. So right now, 90 is it's climbing up because sometime last year macadamia price had dropped down to 50 mm. just because of covid because macadamia is a king of the nuts it's 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 a nut that is for the bourgeois or premium. something yeah premium nut you know it's just not any tom dick and harry that eats macadamia it's a sexy nut you know that kind of thing <laughs> so 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 now at 90 it's climbing but it's not yet there we know yeah. It has a potential to go to 200 kilos. But of course, you're looking at the price of macadamia here in Kenya compared to the international market. Mm. Because you also look at the price of labor or the cost of labor in Kenya. Yeah, It's totally different. You can't compare how much you pay for labor and how much they pay for labor in the United States or Australia. No. So when you start looking at those labor costs, that's what now influences. But for a farmer to get 90, they're breaking even. Of course, I'd prefer if the farmer got 150 to 200 shillings a kilo. That's mm. okay, you know, because of it, it, this is a, a very uh, nice nut. So at least at 90, the farmer will break even because in Kenya also, we grow our, our macadamia using organic production. There's no spray, nothing. We don't advocate for them to spray. Um, the only place like uh, here in around Kiambu where farmers will lose about 75% of their nuts because of uh, stink bug, macadamia stink bug. But we do have the parasitoids. These are the insects that go eat the other ones. Mm. So you just release those parasitoids and they'll clear all the bad insects. You don't spray. So we don't advocate for the farmers to do anything. We just tell them, you just sit and wait for the nuts to drop onto the ground and you pick them. So because our system is organic, So uh, you look at the cost the farmer will have in cow is will be the cost of the seedling. For the longest time, macadamia was costing between 90 to 120 shillings a seedling. But when the cost of macadamia went up to 200 shillings a kilo, yeah. a seedling went up to 400 shillings. It's crazy. Oh. So right now, farmers are buying 400, 500, which is not right. It's unfair. I know it takes a long time to produce a seedling of macadamia, one and a half years. But so what? If you organize anything, then the price can come down and we maintain it about 120. Because when will farmers grow? I visited Ghana, I mean, uh, China in, in 2019. And you know how when you're driving towards central Moranga, on the side of the road, you just mm. see all these nurseries with mangoes yeah. and citrus. The same thing was in China. 
you just see macadamia nuts. How is Kenya ever going to compete with China? How? Eh? When the seedlings are 400, how many seedlings can a farmer grow? Yeah. Eh? We're a developing country. Most of, of, of Kenyans, 50% are living below the poverty line. How can they buy a seedling at 400? They don't even make 400 shillings a day. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's really bad. So one of the things we have to do is reduce that cost of a seedling. Because do you know, until um, about 10 years ago, mm. Kenya was second in the world in producing macadamia nuts. No way. Yeah, now we're number three. I'm really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> How? Eh? And you know China is coming up. Yeah. So, and this is a crop where we can earn money. First of all, it contributes to the 10% tree cover. Kibaki released one of the policies that advocated for 10% tree cover so that we don't dry out too much. Mm. So here's macadamia. You don't do anything to it. Because for until 10 years, you're growing your beans, you're growing your maize, eh? so, you, so that you utilize the land 100%. Yeah. And then now the branches will come across. But you can still continue growing beans until the tree is 20 years. So it, it's a very low input tree. All you do is put your manure, farmyard manure, mm. and then put your fertilizer once or twice a year, you know, just to make sure because these trees can bear. Because a tree will give you um, bad, bad, bad is 30 kilograms, but we have trees like Kirinyaga 15 that will yield up to 90 kilograms. Wow, sounds, yeah, like per the, tree. sounds like the perfect crop for telephone farmers. Totally, totally. <laughs> Totally, yeah. It's 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 a very nice tree. You don't need to work so hard. You just need to make sure that when you harvest the nuts from the ground, you don't get them from the. You wait. For, they only mature when they fall. Mm. Remove the husk and put it in a place where air flows. Mm. So it's minimal work, minimal. And then just keep looking. At times you might see a little bit of nut borer damage. Those nuts get them and use them for maca. So you kill that and you you keep the incidents down. So it, it, it's, a, it's a very low input. But now the highest thing now is this cost of seedling that is really negatively impacting on the growth of the macadamia subsector. When you look at the hectare uh, growth per year, it's, it's too little. Considering how much money farmers are making, ah, no, it's too little. So what we now need is youth. We need youth to get into propagating. And actually you have some, those sides of Sagana, that are propagating macadamia. Because obviously, you know, youth, you like a lot of money for whatever. <laughs> so, but get them in and then come up with a different propagation. Like if somebody's growing macadamia in a place that is shaded, so there's not so much wind, not sun shade, but wind, eh? mm. wind breaks, then you can grow the macadamia from seedling, from cuttings. So cuttings, that will be ready in six months. And, and the trees won't topple over because these things can bear until they topple over. But if you're able to prune them, then you, pr you manage the size of the tree so the tree is well balanced. So the issue of it lodging is not going to be there. So we, can, we want to start uh, um, advocating for propagation of these seedlings using cuttings and, and to shorten the time. And then, or when we graft them, graft when they're a little bit younger. So it will take a little bit longer out in the field. Yeah. But it will allow nurseries to churn out the seedlings in a shorter time, in less than a year. Mm. Yeah. Now, I'd like us to talk about um, post-harvest uh, losses. The loss of this crop is only 4%, uh, which is fantastic, I think. 
Um, what is the major driver for this? Post harvest losses. Mm. Post harvest losses from academia right now is usually that loss attributed to nut borer. It's some that causes about 2%. Then the other 2% will come from squirrels or bats that will now cause to the other loss. That might be 1% or even 0.5. Then it will be when the farmers remove the nuts from the field, they have the green husk. Then they just go and leave it in a, in a sack. That's not good. Because what happens, the mold will start growing. Mm. And then these nuts, they seem to really attract odor. So the, when, the, when the mold forms, you know, it has a smell and odor. And that will have a, a bad effect on the kernel, therefore contributing to, again, a post-harvest loss. So that's why we tell farmers, when you harvest these nuts from the field, keep them open where air is flowing, and please remove the husk within 48 hours. Don't let it pass 48 hours. Oh, okay. You have to remove the husk as soon as possible. And that's where some of the losses, the 4% that comes, is, uh, you know, the farmers, they put them in sacks, then they knock them with sticks and knock and knock. So the process of knocking, you can result in cracking. Then cracking, oh. water enters in, and then again mold. Yeah. So that's where some of the losses. So our, our, our post-harvest losses are quite low. Just because, just of the nature of the nut in Jugumawe, it's so hard that it's not that high. But that 4%, if you change 4% into money, you're supposed to get 100 million. Then you lose 4% of 100. That is 4 million. Mm. So think of it that way. Change the 4% into money. Let's talk about the investment into, into macadamia farming. Assuming I, I, you have access to an acre, um, what kind of investment would you be looking at in terms of starting a macadamia farm? So first is just the planting material. So you'll need about 75 plants times 400 <laughs> per seedling. That is high. At times you can get nurseries now that are selling at 250. That is still too high. To me, it's another extra 150. So just do the cost of the planting material. Then the next cost for investment is the holes. You want the farmers to dig holes two by two feet. So two feet deep, two feet wide holes, that is sufficient. You find some people saying dig the hole at 60 uh, centimeters eh? or, three, or three feet. That's too big. That's for a banana. For macadamia, because even the size of the seedling, just two foot by two foot, then you have to mix in, in every hole you put one debe of manure. Imagine you still say debe of manure. <laughs> Let me say a, 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 a 10 liter bucket of manure because that's what we have nowadays to mix in into that. And then as when you're planting, you just need a handful of DAP fertilizer. So for an acre, it'll be like a third of a sack of fertilizer, DAP. So DAP is what, 2,400? Um, to plant that. And then now, the labor for digging the hole. So it just depends. You know, people will charge for each hole. They charge between um, 40 to 80 shillings per hole to dig. And then they'll come and plant. They'll charge you 30 bob for planting. So unless you want to go do it yourself. So about 100 shillings. 100 bob, yeah. Mm. So once you plant water, you just leave the thing now. You leave it for the next three years, you'll just be pulling weeds and, and doing that. 
So after three years, the first macadamia will release a flower. When you see the first flower, it will wake up the rest. The following year, they'll all be flowering. It's, a, it's very fun. Usually just one plant. <laughs> peer pressure. <laughs> yes, peer pressure. Then, then, then they all flower in year four. And you're getting some nuts and yeah, you're getting excited. But in the fifth year, you'll wonder what the hell happened here. It's like the trees are now vomiting. Whoa, year five. If you have looked after your trees, that is the year you start saying, yes, I have macadamia trees. Mm. And you start feeling good. Yeah. And now it's just fertilizer, which is not much. You'll be using um, up to the fifth year. You, the most you'd have used is about three sacks of fertilizer to just keep them up. Because remember, you still have your manure in the hole. Mm. It's being used slowly. So now it will just be the fertilizer that you'll just be putting a handful, a handful for every seedling. And then also training the trees. So there's very minimal work. And usually what we do is we tell farmers, don't just plant the macadamia alone. Put their beans. Mm. So that as you're fertilizing your beans, you're fertilizing. So you won't even need to fertilize the macadamia. If you intercrop macadamia with beans, you yeah. will not need to fertilize at all. Because at of all. nitrogen? Because, yeah, you're getting mm. it from the When you're fertilizing the beans, you're also fertilizing. Mm. So you don't want to over-fertilize. Mm. You just want them to have enough. Yeah. And what about the dehaskas? The dehaskas, wow. Now those things, those that is those ones are expensive. Okay. But now with our juakali, juakali can make them. Mm. You know? Because for macadamia, for the dehask, dehaskas, you first have to have a sizing thing because there'll be different sizes. So as they get in, they it's just a, a long band, the small ones will go faster than as they get to the big. And then these things come and scratch them and the thing comes out. It's quite fast. The, the, the mechanized dehaskers. For me, um, what we're trying to do as Calro is trying to come up with small household dehaskers. You know, something that will cost no more than 100000 yeah. for the farmer because it's just too much labor. That thing of banging, banging. Yeah. In the peak season, it'll be a problem. But if it's not peak, usually just a few nuts, you can actually do it by hand and remove mm. the, the husk. But we then but now we also have people also use the secretiers. You know the pruners? That's yeah. a dehasker. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can use like for research, we use those because we don't want any damage on the nuts. We use mm. those secretiers. But you know, it's one nut at a time, and that takes too long. But if there's nothing else you're doing, you can do it that way. But most times farmers have an acre. No, you need something that will help you be able to de-ask. So mm. we're trying to see how we can come up uh, our um, Agriculture Mechanization Research Institute to do for us a small, cheap de-ask that is less than um, less than 100,000 for farmers to be able to use. That and should be out sometime next year. And also just to clarify for our young <coughs> for our young listeners, I know when she said Juakali can make this, she meant not the singer. But uh, <laughs> Juakali, the industry. The, the Juakali, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering who, who we is have the to singer. Clarify for the young oh, listeners. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, no. like, Juakali makes this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the artisans. The, the artisans, artisans can make. Yeah. yeah. Anything okay. we, we make as Calro, we mm. need it to be made by these fabricators or artisans. Yeah. Yeah, not Juakali, the singer. <laughs> what to. <laughs> But even him, he can make. We can teach him how to make. We can teach him. Yeah, yeah, we can teach him how to make. Um, but that, that, that will really help 
getting more youth? Because the issue is how do you get youth into macadamia farming? So one of them is harvesting, mm. although they'll really hate and fight there. Mm. But the other one is the youth can have these behaskas so that they go from farm to farm providing a service. Yeah. You know, youth like such things. Mm. They put you on a motorbike, go to the next farm, get your money based on how much you've done yeah. per sack or per kilo, or you can charge per kilo. And youth can come in and do that, and that's where they'll be able to come in as in this macadamia, whatever. So in addition to raising the seedlings, the issue of harvest is another very good one for the youth, and then, mm. of course, value addition. Um, yeah. And how can Kenyan farmers improve their access to the export markets? One thing about Kenyan farmers is that they need to work in groups. Mm. Because most of the Kenyan farmers, you don't really get big, big farms. Eh? Yeah. The big farms now that um, I know ADC in Transoya, they, a few years ago they were, going, they were growing um, 1,000 acres. That's a big farm of macadamia. So 1,000 acres, you go there with several lorries just to pick what they have harvested. But most of our farmers, um, they are small. You know, um, most of them will go buy 10 trees, particularly with these 400 uh, whatevers. So by the time the guy gets up to an acre, and an acre is the commercial unit of macadamia, so because they are so small, they have to function as groups, okay? And um, groups now, it allows so that if a truck comes to one place where they're aggregating, because, you know, for macadamia, it's a very different crop, eh? The macadamia farmer doesn't take their nuts and then take them somewhere for them to be bought from there. No. A macadamia farmer sits in and the farm and waits for you to come to their farm to collect. That's completely different. Yeah. So you'd want these farmers to be many so that when you're moving around to aggregate, you may go to five to 10 farmers and your, your truck is full. Yeah. So for the farmers to access is form groups. And originally our farmers used to market through coffee societies, mm. but um, you know, coffee has been going up and down, up and down, it's coming up again. But now they don't need to do that. They can form their own societies. Now that we have the Nut uh, Process Association of Kenya Nut Park, so we, they have societies, and we know that there are these groups that mm. are marketing. Once they do that, then the other thing is to determine this particular group of farmers or clusters. Actually, it's not groups; it's clusters of farmers. Then, how much do they produce? Mm. With that information, now is when you're able to target the market. But you see, in Kenya, we don't. Um, uh, export the in-shell nuts. As we, we market our macadamia after they've been shelled, the mm. kernels. So when they come together as a cluster is to sell to a processor. Then the processors process the macadamia and then we export it out. That is how we protect our intellectual property. Yeah. This is off-the-cuff question. The only other place I've seen macadamia is in chocolates. Have you seen uh, collaborations like between companies like Cadbury's and, oh, yeah. and, and macadamia farmers? You go to Planet Yogurt at a, what's this place called? Junction. Junction. Mm. You'll, you'll get to eat macadamia nut ice cream. Haya, yeah. You ni mungwa mitupatia tukitukutoka heaven. Haya. 
Macadamia nuts. Now, let me tell you about our macadamias in Kenya. Our macadamias nuts are very sturdy so that when they are put into ice cream and you eat the ice cream, you still crunch them. Mm. We are very unique and that's why our macadamia is demanded for macadamia nut ice cream. Let me tell you something so sweet and sexy. If you go buy the Hagendas macadamia nut mm. brittle ice cream, oh goodness. <laughs> Hide, lock the door. <laughs> Eat that. You say, my goodness, how can something taste? Macadamia. You know, if you eat macadamia, yeah, yeah, it's a nut. Mm. You know, before you've done anything, you've roast, you've not roasted. It just, it's just a nut. It's not, nothing, any uh, good about it. When you roast it, okay, it gets a bit better, and you put salt. Ah, now the taste is coming. <laughs> okay, eka kwa ice cream. Unasema tu mungu omofia kweni. Hiya, hiyo kitu ni tam. So imagine Kenya. See, we have all this milk that we pour in yeah. Nyandaro. Yeah. We pour it mm. because we can't sell. Those farmers should sell their milk to ice cream producers and those other youth. You know, mm. why, why, why is it that up to today I've not seen a macadamia nut ice cream made in Kenya by a Kenyan? This one of Planet Yogurt is you and I let talk about it. A youth can do that. We get that milk from Nyahururu that is being poured into the rivers. Get ice cream. Put macadamia inside as a flavoring. Aye. Macadamia uh, yogurt, macadamia ice cream. My goodness. That thing is so good. Now let's not talk about macadamia nut white chocolate cookies. That Ala. is a, a sin, <laughs> a sin and a sin. Have you ever eaten that? No. You guys munge arrange vizuri nikekuja hapa na hivi tu munakula. Macadamia nut white chocolate cookies. Producers oh, us. Wow. My goodness. Actually, just take the macadamia. Let's say, you know, when you say white chocolate, people wondering, what is white chocolate? Mm. Yeah. I thought chocolate was just brown. Just take macadamia, grind, and then as you're making your biscuits or cookies, uneka your nut done. Mm. Ah. If you're making a cake with vanilla flavor, again, you know, uh, um, cut them so that they're small, then put it in the macade into the butter, yeah. then bake the cake. Oh, you have gone to another level. Um, so uh, early on in the conversation, we we talked about farmers groups and how there's a low intake, like uh, farmers are not, they really don't have these groups. So I wanted to find out in your opinion, why do you think um, the numbers are so low? The numbers of farmer groups? Yes. From the markup study, it shows yeah. that 11% yeah. of farmers are in the groups. Yeah. Many farmers, just like most human beings, we're always selfish. We always want to take care of ourselves first. Mm. People don't know that when you operate in a group, you're actually stronger. Yeah. You know, they usually say, if you want to walk fast, walk alone. If you want to, to do a well, reach far, walk in a group. Mm. So just the same is to form groups because, okay, okay, Kenya had an issue of cooperative societies where they would have these cooperatives and then the, the, the managers would steal money. But now we're not in closed. We have phones. Yeah. We're more networked. You can see how uh, your money is being used. You have several people controlling. So when money is removed, there's a message that comes to your phone. Mm -hmm. So there's more control now. So the issue of uh, farmers, when, in fact, we tell many, if you want us to come to you, 
like Calro. Tell us how many of you are in a group. We don't go to individual farmers. We go to groups. That mm. way, where our message can get far. That way, when they come together, the farmers actually learn more from each other, each other yeah. than from you who's coming to tell them. Do you know that? Yeah. So the issue of forcing them to come into groups is not just for us to reach many people quicker. It's actually for them to communicate. Because we know farmer to farmer is the best yeah. in terms of learning than an outside extension to the farmer. Yeah. But now we really need to encourage because the coffee people have had uh, bad experiences, but now they realize it, they need to operate in groups. So now to get others, like even if it's growing tomatoes, then you are able to market together. You know, because many of the brokers who are the youth, they don't want to go to so many. They want to go to one place and get everything from there. So the farmers have no choice now. If they're going to operate, you either have to be a very large farmer mm. or you operate in groups. Um, if we can talk about extension services, um, how accessible is this to all these farmers? Extension in Kenya was very weak before devolution. Then it died. It's coming up now. It died. That time we were complaining because, you know me, I'm older than you. I won't tell you your age, my age because if I do that, then I'll have to kill you. <laughs> so I won't do it. But, but you know... Kenya is an agriculture-based economy. And long time ago, there was teaching and visiting. There was, the extension was so strong. A farmer won't pass three months without an extension worker. There were these junior extension people, but they retired so many years ago. You know, so then, of course, we went to the county governments. So agriculture has evolved. One of the things the county governments have no interest in is in agriculture. Mm. Them, they want to do the value addition of what? Agricultural <laughs> crops. So you're like, guys, <laughs> don't you have to make sure you have production before you value add? Yeah. Where are you going to be getting the stuff to value add? So the extension is, but now they have changed. The extension workers have changed now. Um, they are youth because now some farmers in some places, they're actually paying for the extension services. So it's private. It has become a privatized uh, enterprise. But the other thing that extension, a lot of extension is being gotten from the farmers is on the phone, the smartphones. There are very many mobile applications. Mm. And a lot of farmers that are able to have smartphones, but many farmers have analog, right? <laughs> but the few that have, or even their children, they can access that information using the smartphones. And now when you go to Kenya, there's a lot of mobile applications a lot for what is the commercial crops. We still, we're still far. We still mm. need to do a lot because on the phone, if you're somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you're like, what, what do I need, what, whatever, then you just go to Google app, type Calro, K-A-L-R-O. Yeah. If you just type Calro, then you'll see all these apps come up. There yeah. are so many you see my favorite one of Cape Gooseberry. you see guava, pomegranate. You'll be shocked. These things are on the phone. And once you download them, they never go anywhere. So if you're stuck, you're like, eh. Oh, what is the spacing for beans? You get the one for beans. Oh, this is the spacing. They're mm. always there. So your extension worker nowadays is actually a gadget that you can go there. And if there's anything missing that is not there and you let us know, within a month, that thing will be on the phone. So we're trying to reach our farmers because we don't have money to go to every farm. Yeah. But if we can be able to have this information, 
on the phone, but you know, for some of us who are analogs, me, I want it online so that I can get it downloaded, print it, and have a hard copy mm. that I can write onto. And many farmers, they want hard copies. So that now from there, they're able to read and see so that even when they engage an extension, they can be able to communicate with them. What do I do here? What do I do? do whatever. But the county governments, it is their responsibility to hire extension workers for all the crops or livestock being produced in their county. They have a service to produce, mm. uh, uh, to, to give to Kenya. It is mandatory they do this. They should not think agriculture is nothing because COVID taught us something. When COVID came, yeah, how many people are going to hospital? People ran away from hospital. Then, if you're a good Kenyan, you might never ever see a lawyer. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah? If you're a, a healthy Kenyan, you might never need the services of a doctor. But every day, three times a day, you need the services of a farmer. You must eat. So the counties must invest in, in, in extension. They shouldn't have these people they call a crop officer, a livestock officer. What do you mean crop? Mm. Eh? This person is coming to ask you about onions. Another one comes and asks you about macadamia nut. Another one comes and asks about groundnut. How does this person know all of this? If they're your priority value chain, you must have that extensionist for groundnuts, extension for macadamia. These are different things. Yeah. Eh? So that the farmer gets the best. Yeah. We used to print a lot of hard copy things, but now these people tell you, go download it and print yourself. But now we have IT um, computer cyber centers. What are they called? Cyber centers. Cafe. Cafes, yeah, yeah. All, all over, <laughs> where you can go and print and get this. And that's where your extension comes in. So that we can have this information for the, for the, for the, for the farmers. But there's a group of people who don't have jobs. Mm. They finish they don't have jobs, they're educated, they have smartphones. Those are our youth. We have completely underutilized them. How do you utilize these youth that are just there in the rural areas? They have smartphones. Mm. Okay? Then get them trained to be able to do extension because extension is an art. These youth will just need a training one day. Then as they're providing those services, they're doing it at a fee. At least the youth is earning some money. And as, you know, youth are so enterprising, they even know how to even do more in terms of extension. Once we get our extension, then we increase our production and our productivity. Because now you're getting a farmer producing using the right methods, not affecting the environment and increasing the productivity. With the youth there with their phone, this is the same youth who will help this farmer get to the market. We are not using our youth. We have these people with cell phones, very intelligent, just totally underutilized. And for me, I get pissed off because I'm like, this is what these kids should be doing. They just need a little bit of a nudge. These county governments sh should have all the youth. They should know who's graduating, mm -hmm. finishing a, a Form 4, the ones who are moving on, those ones can be junior, the ones with their degrees, Mm. They can be a bit whatever, but they should engage them all in jobs. There should be no youth in Kenya walking around with other job, and yet we're importing. Do you know 70% of the food we eat here in Kenya is imported? What kind of an insult is that? 70%. Do you know that? <gasps> we're importing like we're so rich. We can move to the next question. Mm. In terms of the marketing of macadamia, 
it's currently very unstructured in Kenya. Um, so do you think that this is efficient or what should be? No, academia is not unstructured. It's, uh, we need to change how we do it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was discussed two years ago was having cards. Um, they are called macadamia cards so that the farmers growing the macadamia are the ones that sell. Mm. Because when macadamia goes to 200 shillings a kilo, people start losing branches. When I look at two, your branch has been cut, even trees. Yeah, at 200 bob a kilo. You know, it's just a few nuts like this. Yeah. That's a kilo and that's 200 bob. And Kenyans survive on 200 bob a day. Yes. So, so, so one of the things that our farmers lose a lot is theft of uh, or, or nuts from their farm. They lose a lot. So if they could have cards, and on that cards, there's all that information. See, like the barcoding. We know how many trees you have. And then there are discounts that go, we predict what yield you're going to get. So if all of a sudden you have a very high yield, where did you get that from? Mm. Then these guys who have stolen cannot just go and sell because they'll ask you which farm did you get that from. Mm. Macadamia will have to do that so that we can give the farmers a bit of strength to even increase their, their farms. So once we have the, the, the card, the macadamia card, then that will also help because anyone, um, a processor, can just see, eh, we have bought from all the farmers, but this one has not been bought from, or these clusters here have not been. Let's go there and, and get the nuts from there. So it will really help in terms of organization. The other thing that Macadamia Card will do, it will also show in terms of quality. You know, some farmers go and shake their trees. Mm. Zianguke, ama wanapanda kujua wana piga piga na miti. Yeah. Then your, your, your macadamia, it looks brown, but it's not mature. So you're selling immature. That way with the card, you'll be able to trace for traceability. You'll be able to trace back to that farm. And you tell the farmer, you're nuts. Mm. We're not buying. This is what you, we, we got from you. It's bad nuts. Because a Kenyan nut company used to go to farms and when, when they're coming to collect the nuts, they would do a nut analysis and see. And it had to uh, um, get to like grade ones, you know, they crack them, see if they float and stuff like that, just to determine the quality of your nuts they're looking in terms of insect damage. So when you had at least a threshold of above 80%, that's when they bought your nuts. But now with this competition with so many people buying nuts, it's really a problem. Now they just collect everything and then hopefully when they go back, there's a difference. But with the nut and traceability, they'll be able to, as they go and collect, they just keep a sample of your nuts in a place so that if there's anything wrong, it's you who suffers alone and not everybody else. Because that means when they're sorting, they'll throw away a lot of immature nuts. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, in your own opinion, since you've been in the field for so long, um, academia farming is very male-dominated. Are there more women coming into the business? And what, what's your just general thought on the whole issue? It's just that land is owned by men. That's why. Yeah. Because most of our land is owned by men. So, And men will always go to a thing where there's a lot of money. In a lot of times, when you see macadamia, if you go and find out who actually bought those seedlings, it will be a woman. Of course. But when the money starts coming in, the men take it over. Hmm? But now women are starting to own land. Mm -hmm. So when there's that shift, you'll see women will tend to go to where there's a lot of money. Yeah. And whatever. But now it's just because when you're saying men, it's just because the land is owned by men. 
Yeah. That's what it is. But the actual people, it is the women who brought that macadamia in. And what because about the... men who are... Which man is going to sit there and wait for four years for that thing to start bearing? Yeah, <laughs> they don't have time for that. How do you wait for four years? Yeah. No. What about the value addition part? Do you think it's something more women should look at joining? For value addition, this is a thing that I've set aside for youth. For the youth? Yeah, a woman to sit there, crack this nut. Okay, we have the um, the the, sing, the nut crackers that you can crack a nut one at a time. You can go quite fast there. In fact, I've got two different ones. I've seen three. We also have some other ones in our center. You can crack, crack, and then do the value addition. Don't give that work to women. That's just a waste of time. For the youth, yeah, when they're just beating story, whatever, they're just cracking and, and the hip is forming. Mm. Once it forms, then they can now go do all the different products I talked about earlier. For value addition, just leave it to the youth. They'll come up with all the equipment that they need to use them to the, to, for mechanization. Like there's a very good nutcracker that you can import from a small thing from, from Australia and be able to do this for small uh, processing uh, for macadamia, because remember, macadamia products will be a little bit more expensive than the rest. So you don't want to start over processing so much then you, when you don't even have a market to whatever. Like, but now for the youth here, for macadamia, they'll be making like cookies, cakes, and whatever. Then we have Java, and we have all these food places that you can be able to um, sell those value added products, and people will actually buy them quite fast. Like now, when you go to Java, you get that packet of macadamia nut cookies. Cookies, mm. yeah. Those are nice, but you. I know this, they're actually macadamia white chocolate, but they're small little things. Me, I'm talking about a big cookie with big chunks of white chocolate. Bongela mm. cookie. Yeah, proper. You just eat one. <laughs> one. All right, that's it for this week's episode. We just want to give a special thank you to all our partners. I'm going to start with the Kenya Agricultural Livestock Research Organization. Carlo. Wow, what a mouthful. Carlo. <laughs> Carlo. You, ca <laughs> oh can God. you spell it? Spell it. Now that's where the rubber meets the road. K. K. A. R. A. R. A. R. O. Specifically, I want to say thank you to Dr. Lucike Wasilwe. I mean, sitting amazing. down with yeah. her was just amazing. She's just a bank of knowledge. Finally, a big thank you to UNIDO under the EU-supported markup program for making this possible. And also, we really have to thank and recognize the production team at Semabox for making this whole thing happen. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, for any of the topics we discuss, please find us at Markup Kenya. Um, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, and also the Facebook page is just Markup Kenya. Remember, you can find all these links and handles in the episode notes in the description section. We're wishing you a great week. And remember, no matter who you are, you, you can, can farm. farm.